0: Hello, and welcome to The Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review satirizing the dumb month that was through hilarious op-eds and lively debates. This particular edition of The Skewer was recorded at Cafe Mustache in Chicago on May 1st, 2019. Ooh, please do enjoy. to kill the rhythm and f- fiddle with this. <laughs> oh, I figured it out really quick. Awesome. That's not That's not a guarantee. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Skewer. I'm your host, Tom Harrison. Yay, you're here. Um, there's a lot of, usually the people who are here are like my friends and like that's it. So like who, I'm seeing a lot of people I haven't seen before. By noise, who has not been to The Skewer uh, in the past? exceptional i love it the skewer the skewer if you aren't aware is a hilarious live monthly news review satirizing the stupid news that just happened in the world that you all saw and we're going to have op-eds we're going to have a debate but not the kind of debate where it's like both like both sides need to be hurt both sides are very stupid the debate's not real uh and One thing that I've been trying to do more often myself is give myself credit where it's due. Like, I tend to be really hypercritical of myself and find a lot of comfort in self-deprecation. So it's with that in mind that I say that the skewer, like, fucking rules. And you are all geniuses for being here. (laughs) Like, there are a lot of live lit shows in the city, but there's only one that instantly makes you extremely wise for showing up. <laughs> and folks, you picked it.
1: Good job.
0: Anyway, it's time for me to get this show started. I, again, am the host. Uh, I haven't hosted one of these in a few months, so I may be a little rusty. So bear with me as I prepare to give you political comedy.
1: <clears throat>
0: <laughs> Fellas. Is it gay to live in a patriarchy? <laughs> You're literally being dominated by masculinity.
1: <laughs>
0: Freaking character. That was supposed to get nothing
1: <laughs>
0: as like part of the bit. Thank you. I feel great. Okay, pretend that like fell flat and I was like, huh, you didn't like that? How about this one? And now the second one. <laughs> Political comedy joke number two. You ever notice how Democrats drive like this? Sir, (laughs) sir, I need to follow the rules. But Republicans... Oh, buddy, you know where I'm going with this. Republicans are a fascist party that brought back the pogroms. (laughs) So those are are the two jokes I have... (laughs) I haven't had a lot of time to write this month because I was too busy celebrating over the public release of the freaking Muller Report! Woo! Oh, man! Oh, the Cheeto-in-Chief is cooked for sure now! Full disclosure, I've been partying pretty much non-stop since my bae Bobby Mull dropped the mic on Drumpf. On April 18th. So I don't know the specifics of what exactly has been happening, but, like, I assume... Don Jr., like, got perk blocked instantly. We all loved that. Uh, impeachment, basically already over. Um, the GOP is in the middle of this big public reexamination of what their values are and what they truly represent, and a ton of senators are making these big public apologies for their hateful legacies of re- racism and misogyny. I mean, again, um, I have not actually been following the news. <laughs> but, like, how could that not be what's happening, Right. I mean, like, the Mueller report is here. Like, he came. Like, the adult in the room showed up and saved us. The ace, on our, ace up our sleeves has finally been played, and Trump has been exposed as the criminal we all knew he was for all to see. We all doubted Mueller, but he had it locked down all along. He was our only hope, our final shot, and despite all the odds, he pulled it off. He released the report. So, obviously, it all worked. Right? Because we all knew it was going to. It had to happen, it needed to happen, and it did happen. It's like, it's like Santa Claus finally showing up in person and telling us that we are good people. That things will work out for us, and you will stop getting stomach pains when you eat onions. Your stomach is normal. You don't have to try the FODMAP diet. Actually, you should eat more dairy because you deserve it. Turns out all your friends from high school actually did like you. They liked you all along. They only stopped hanging out with you because they were too intimidated by your shine. They thought they would, they thought they would drag you down. And they regret it so much. They think about you all the time. They wish they could have been there for you. And actually, they're all going to apologize tomorrow with the big pizza. And all the dream, all the dreams you had to give up are all completely real now you don't have to compromise anymore you don't have to spend all your time in some office looking at spreadsheets all day just to scrounge together enough money to survive no, now the future is a bright grassy road and the streets are wide and the grass is green and there are flowers everywhere and it's never gray, it never snows all the cars are gone and climate change is over and Jesus is here too (laughs) fucking holy shit, he's just around now (laughs) You didn't believe in him anymore. But he's here now. He's fucking here. And he's not like the weird, scary Jesus who's going to like yell at you for jacking off. No, he's nice. He's a cool guy. He thinks the Catholic Church is corrupt, just like you do. He's actually yelling at them. He thinks, he thinks the money that got raised from, for Notre Dame should have gone to end poverty, too. Damn, he's a socialist. <laughs> owns! Jesus is awesome! And also, yes, he is your best friend now. <laughs> what are the odds? You of all people. Holy shit, he's sleeping on your couch tonight and he's going to cook dinner. You don't even have to pitch in money. You only have to do the dishes. Whoa! You asked if you should bring a bottle of wine, but then you were like
2: uh, oh, uh, uh
0: and he knew what you were talking about and laughed at your good joke. Like, that is what happened, right? <laughs> like, what else could have been the outcome? Like, what, like you're going to tell me you're going to just, as I stand here in front of you like a lonely fucking kitten lost in the snow, you're going to tell me that everyone just looked at the report was like, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: like, that couldn't happen. <laughs> If that happened, well, that would mean that would mean that our institutions are fundamentally broken, and things will only improve with radical, unprecedented action and Buddy, I watched the news, and very smart people in suits have told me that that 's not possible <laughs> Joking aside, as horrific as this scenario all is, I honestly think it's a net positive for the mental health of the country to have to sort of see reality for what it is. Like, living in a fascist hate hate regime sucks. It's very bad. But man, oh man, I can speak from personal experience. It fucking sucks to do so while also having this secret justice squad in the back of your mind (laughs) that just, like, technically, possibly, probably not, but maybe could just save the day at any time. Like, if I don't have cookies... After my dinner, I'm like, whatever. I wish I had some cookies, but like, guess that's one's on me. I'll, I'll get cookies later. But if you tell me as I'm about to eat, you know, by the way, we've just appointed a special counsel. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be looking very strongly at cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker! Oh my god! Every second I don't have cookies, I'm going to be like, where are the cookies? Are they, are, why aren't they here? Are they coming at all? Why are they not here now? Like, I, saw, I already saw on the news that we have all the ingredients. I know, I know how long cookies take to make and it has been much longer than that. Someone give me an answer about these fucking cookies right fucking now I am losing it. That's actually how I act normally when there aren't any cookies, but pretend for the bit that when there are no cookies, I'm cool with it.
1: <laughs>
0: but now, now there's not even the chance of the magic bullet that fixes everything. Now we have to accept where we're at. And I know that a bunch of stuff happened today with Bar. Um, I, I don't know, maybe that'll, have, maybe that'll do something. I'm fine retroactively looking like an idiot if it means justice got done, so I'm not going to change what I'm about to say. Uh, <laughs> Trump is firmly in power and will not be removed. Most Democrats just don't give enough of a shit to change it. It's going to be up to us to make this country one that's worth living in. It's going to be ridiculously hard. It might not work we might have to vote for Joe Biden in a year. (laughs) Your decisions now, more than ever, are crucial for the future of this planet. And knowing that, I think you really got to ask yourself, is going to some fucking two-bit, live, fucking lefty satire show really the best use of your precious time? Uh, Like, yeah, like, obviously. (laughs) You're a genius to do it. <laughs> Thank you all. This is a skewer. Yay! <laughs> oh, oh, we got a fine show for you tonight. We got some great writers. A lineup that delights and astounds for sure. Uh, but before we get to our op eds, who would like to play a little game? And uh, fun fact, it doesn't matter what you answer. The game's happening anyway. <laughs> fun game. Please welcome Kevin Johnson for a fun game. Kevin, what's the game?
1: It's
0: a game that nobody wants to play. Woo! Woo! We did it. So it's basically two truths and a lie, except with headlines. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. yeah you say three headlines? One of them's one of them, you made up like a liar. Bad. <laughs> that was bad. That sounds cool. I'll let you have it. All right. But...
3: All right. I'm only going to do this once time this evening. I just need one volunteer, and I will give you a drink ticket which is at the bar you can redeem this for an, inexpe- an inexpensive poison please anyone please please you yeah. not yet
1: <laughs>
3: what's what's your name yeah i've got to get the, i'm gonna, i'm getting there i'm caroline caroline what's your name hi kelsey hi <laughs> caroline Okay. So yeah, I'm just going to read you three headlines. Tell me which one's fake. Then we're going to do it two more times after that. Cool. All right. First story.
1: This isn't going to go well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Eh, Who knows? First story. A Florida man was attacked and killed by his giant flightless bird. Now it's for sale. And I mention that because Mother's Day is coming up. (laughs) I want you all to know that. Story two. A song consisting of nothing but bird noises just charted in the UK. I think it's at number 11. Okay. They don't. It's, like it's gone really downhill since the Beatles, I guess. <laughs> Story three. Parrot seized by police from Brazilian drug dealers squeals on their racket. Hmm.
1: Uh, I think the
4: uh, top 40,
5: the middle one, is a
3: lot. No, that's true. Told you three. So what's what's actually false is that the police describe that bird as super obedient, and it hasn't spoken a peep since the the uh, officers. It hasn't spoken. No, 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 no. It hasn't spoken a peep since the fucking since seeing the police officers and saying "mum." The police. When, yeah, it's not. It's not no fucking. It's not no fucking snitch. With that.
1: Okay.
3: Okay. All right. Yeah, that was bird themed. If you didn't know. All right. First story of this set: Italian soccer team bans players from taking pictures with Drake. Yeah, Canadian pop rapper Drake. All right. Story two: Video game company Activision Blizzard pays employees to track how often they masturbate. They're like, damn, that sounds kind of... Mmm. <laughs> Story three. And remember, this is what you believe is... Tr- like, what you believe is false, not what you want to be false. Okay. <laughs> Story three. Doctors discover four live bees feeding on tears inside of woman's eyes. Mmm. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. I guess
6: the first one?
3: Oh, no, that's true. <laughs>
6: There's there's a such
3: thing as the Drake curse and like they suffered the worst loss they've ever had. So they're like you can't take any more pictures with Drake.
7: Who made the rule?
3: I don't know. Okay. I I don't know all the I don't know the whole thing to the story but you know whatever. Anyway, so the real one, I mean the fake one, the real fake one is not the masturbating. They don't do that. They track pregnancies.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Like, oh.
3: It's, it's basically the same thing. Right? All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Your third set of stories, which I'm calling four stars because they're all Chicago-based. And you're going to see that very soon. All right. First story. Recently, cans of bean juice have been washing ashore on the Chicago River. If you don't know what bean juice is, that's like if you got a can of beans and then you open it and there's no beans. There's only that weird murky juice that's really salty. <laughs>
5: that's...
3: <laughs> You don't have to like it.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Story two. A Chicago-area nun who threw a perfect pitch now has her own baseball card. What
1: is a perfect pitch?
3: Like, oh, a perfect first pitch. So, like,
1: so like out. at the start of the
3: game? Like, at the start of the game, they just have, like, a celebrity or some and local it's a person. a strike, or is Yeah, it's, like, a really good strike, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what happened. Cool. Not like the Anna Kendrick movie. That's
5: what definitely happened, for sure. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, that definitely happened, Okay. <laughs> Story three. A suspicious object leads poli- Chicago police to shut down State Street. That suspicious object was a can of Chef Boyardee on wheels.
5: <laughs> Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess the first one.
3: You got one of them correct.
5: Yay! Yeah.
3: You did it. You did it. Here we go. Okay. So what that actually was, like, for, like, 30 years now on French beaches, there have been, like, these really old Garfield phones.
5: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I heard about that one.
3: Yeah, and I just, I just really changed the story on that one. It's just Where being... would they
5: even wash up in Chicago?
3: I was just saying on the Chicago <laughs> River, you know? I don't fucking I don't like right? <laughs> know. Anyway, so I'm going to give you a drink ticket. Hell yeah. Tom will probably give you, like, a, a, a skewer sticker. Because we got swag like that at the swag table. Getting it out of his old like yeah, video game yeah, controller yeah. box. Yeah, yeah. Give it up. You did it. Welcome back on stage. Your host for the evening, Thomas Harrison. Yay.
0: Thank you once again to Kevin Johnson for the fun game. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you going ooh oh gross at the bean juice, the juice is called aquafaba, and you can make cocktails and <laughs> vegan baking with it. Um, <laughs> so, on to the the, the the fucking part of the show that's the actual show: our op-eds, and our first op-ed. Writer, is a fucking storytelling all-star. Archie Jamjan is a storyteller, writer, and curator for outspoken LGBTQ stories at Sidetrack, which has its next show Tuesday, May 7th at 7 p.m. He is a two-time Moth Grand Slam winner, member of the collective <laughs> Drinkers with Writing Problems, and proud father to Lady Boy Zorro the Cat. You can see him... On Tuesday, June 18th, at Funny Haha ha at the Hideout, and tomorrow at the Hungry Brain hosting Story Club Northside at 8 p.m. Please welcome Archie
8: Jansen. Hi, everyone. All right. Yes, it's Rihanna. She says, Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everyone remembers where they were that night. I walked into Sidetrack in Boys Town, not confident, but comfortably hopeful that by midnight, the Prosecco would pour. And my partner and I would slow dance under disco nights to our first female president. Maybe you were in a bar, too, when it took that second bar turn. For me, that second bar was a bar of Xanax. (laughs) I was crushed when Clint lost. I'm going to say something that will make some of you angry towards me. But I fell for Hillary long ago. Yeah. In nineteen ninety I know people. In nineteen ninety six, my mother was the president of the Thai Nurses Association of Illinois, and I was corresponding directly with the office of the First Lady because email was new and my mom didn't know how to use our IBM. Before that I'd seen her on TV say, I'm too fucking good to bake cookies, and later stand up to Beijing. And look, I could go on and on about the notorious HRC, but judging by the way people flee from my Twitter account when I do so, nobody wants that. (laughs) And if there's anything I've learned since November 8th, 2016, it's this. I must learn how to say, fuck my goddamn feelings. Oh, it is with such great joy that I watch this crap, I mean crop, of Democrats emerge (laughs) instead of the legitimate president. There's old Joe Biden. Last time he ran for president, he finished way behind Hillary and even behind Dennis Kucinich, which I believe is a type of onion. He only plays slightly above scattering, which sounds like a field of squirrel poop to me. There's Bernie Sanders. I can't wait for another bird to land on his podium when he has to explain anything or have done anything else. And there's born-to-run Beto O'Rourke, whose real name is Raphael. I mean Ted Cruz. I mean Robert. I mean fucking Ariana Grande. I don't know. And clutch my pearl necklace. There's Pete Buttigieg. He's gay and he thinks Chick-fil-A is delicious, so fuck him and with enough drinks I would but what is this rash anger and cynicism within me is it because my dreams of watching Paul Ryan die while Hillary cackled her way through the state of the union were dashed by the Kremlin and no one cares yes that is exactly it but mama se mama mama kusa. Everyone else seems to be moving on, and so like a hungover taco bell fart, so will I. One day in the future, little I hope little children will read about our 2016 election election and say to their Amazon robot parent, "Dad, Mama Lexico? Dad, mama lexico. In 2016, we were really mean to people formerly known as women. (laughs) Hillary was treated unfairly, to a double standard, and the phenomenon of unconscious misogyny was realized. I hope this. But as I watch the primary unfold, I have my reservations. Why are Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris pulling so far behind Biden, Sanders, and Buttigieg? I completely understand why Klobuchar and Gillibrand are, but I'm confused otherwise. Warren understands financial and economic policy better than my hills, and she can explain herself without putting people to sleep. And Kamala Harris? Sure, Mayor Pete is gay, but Senator Harris, as Attorney General, led the charge that eventually brought us Prop 8 and marriage equality. Her actions are part of the reason this ring on my finger is allowed to be here, which gives me feelings based on my identity, which I've been told by people with very few identity problems is not a reason to vote. So in other words, fuck my goddamn feelings and pass the Chardonnay! Honestly though, I have a lot of feelings about the 2016 primary. I worry because we're entering another election cycle with most Americans getting their news from bots, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of us are not suddenly sitting down to watch PBS NewsHour. I've tried. It's like a lullaby. (laughs) I'm scared that anyone involved in 2016 is running again, because isn't it bad enough that Trump is? But mostly, I think it's dangerous that everyone loves anger and needs to tell everyone about it immediately. I have a thought, a reaction, and everyone needs to hear it, now. I must post or react to this post, now. I think we need to interact less, or at least less instantly. We need discussions laced with Kalanapin, so they can involve listening. (laughs) But I wonder if that's a skill that social media, our phones, Trumpism, and all those real housewives and bachelors have trained us to do less and poorly. Obviously, no one is trying to live without their phone or Bravo because apparently I can't even find my way home without my phone. And what's the point of being home if I can't watch Bravo? (laughs) But I am trying harder to listen. For me, to listen means shut the fuck up. Not just with my mouth, but with the voice inside my head. And that's challenging as fuck. Having no thoughts while someone is speaking, resisting the urge to construct my retort while someone is still talking, is only slightly less challenging than meditation, something that although I have a giant tattoo of a Buddha on my shoulder, I cannot do. (laughs) Or have even tried to do in over a decade. And I know I'm not alone in this struggle. Can't someone make an app for this? (laughs) Last month, I realized my feelings had gone too far. I was drunk, and my partner asked me whether I would vote for Trump or Sanders if the election came down to it, and I rolled my eyes at him. Just as I was about to explain myself, I heard, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> he was right, and I considered my fuckery. Was it because old Bernard sat through Hillary's nomination the same way I sat through the first table read of Kimchi Kid, the high school play that I was not given the lead to? <laughs> Or because my mission against the Bernie bros feels so personal is something, and is something my cat will avenge when I die. <laughs> Whatever my reasons, clearly I had lost my goddamn mind and my feelings. I've heard people say that a rock, a pebble, or even an actual cheetah would make a better president. I get that. But actually, I think in 2020, we are going to need the bestest president ever. 13 unruly colonies came together in an experiment, and this experiment can die. (laughs) True. It's not a guarantee. We need someone who can resuscitate a body with multiple traumas and transform it into something that makes more of us feel like tomorrow is going to be better, or even there. Well, that is not going to happen. One person cannot do that. Luckily, however, there are 17.4 million people running for the Democratic nomination. (laughs) I wonder if we stopped looking at this as a competition, but as a collaboration, what would happen? What if the debates were framed as discussions? If we focus on a platform instead of a candidate? Maybe that's too extra or too good to be true, but those are my feelings. They say Republicans fall in line. The Republicans have fallen in line. In ways I can only describe as Mitch McConnell's asshole is so loose he shits the moment he
1: eats.
8: (laughs) Democrats fall in love. But we can't risk falling in love with candidates more so than falling in love with what we want. There are so many of us to the left of Donald Trump. We just need to stop playing politics like it's Games of Thrones, Bachelor Edition. <laughs> or maybe just ignore this shit and nibble a bar of Xanax. Eat an edible while practicing alternate nostril breathing. Do whatever it takes to say, fuck my goddamn feelings. Invoke D in the general this goddamn time, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> One
0: more time for Archie Jamjoon. Thank you. That part about posting made me feel very targeted. (laughs) Posting is the greatest rush in human existence. (coughs) So, continuing on with the show. Our second op-ed reader is the head writer at Cards Against Humanity for some reason. She is a regular contributor to Paper Machete and believes that trees are alive and the earth belongs to them. Please welcome Julia Weiss.
7: This weekend, I defied the limitations of my human body damaged the environment, and made several corporations a little bit richer by flying in an airplane to visit my family in South Carolina. Like many American whites, I I have Trump family. I felt deeply conflicted about visiting them as they are, well, fascists. And I believe that fascists should lose love, friends, and family but they're also Jewish. And sometimes Jewish guilt, for lack of a better term, trumps personal integrity.
1: <laughs>
7: I fi- it's fucked up. It's fucked up. <laughs> I figured I'd write the essay about Elizabeth Warren I promised I'd write while I was down there, not expecting to find myself sucked into a pit of mental death, out by the banks of the old Strom Thurmond Lake, where my family chooses to live. (laughs) My time in McCormick County, South Carolina, reminded me that the interests of rich, old white people will always outweigh reason, logic, and human goodness. I realized there's no point to this, to life, to me, to you, to anything. The hugest American flags I've ever seen reminded me who the country has always belonged to why should i write an essay about elizabeth warren she's not going to win nothing i write is going to help her win america was always bad america is over the, w- the world is over i'm not going to live past 40. why are people having children the best we can hope for is to be like a rumble strip and startle the driver of this stretch-hummer we call human existence (laughs) as it barrels down a highway leading straight to hell, paved by the myth of Jesus Christ. (laughs) While I practiced saying, I'd rather not talk about politics on the plane down, it would have been immoral to resist my grandmother's, at times, cruel baiting after I told her about living below the poverty line and not having health insurance for three years, the woman who pushed from her vagina, the man who would come me into my mother, (laughs) said to my face, which in every way resembles her own, unfortunately, when she was living in a two-room apartment in the Bronx, that poor people not having health care is a choice they make. That young people are broke because they buy iPhone. (laughs) She, who got to go to a New York City college for free and funded her career with tax dollars, claimed that taxing the rich is theft. I faced periodic challenges to my assumed loyalties. Bernie Sanders is an embarrassment to Jews. Hillary Clinton is an evil bitch. More like Adam Shit. (laughs) Into my known beliefs. Outsiders don't commit crimes in Savannah Lakes because they know we have guns. If you get cancer in Finland, you can't get treatment for six months. Dr. Ford is a proven liar. No collusion. Each night, I fell more deeply into despair about the 2020 election, and an essay about Elizabeth Warren ran further and further from my brain. One afternoon, we went to the McCormick County Civic Chorus' performance at the Village of Savannah Lake's Rec Center. That's the wealthy retirement community where my family lives. It's not gated, because if they were gated, they'd have to pay for their own road maintenance, and this way the county, which has a poverty rate more than twice as high as the national average, will have to cover it. They can die. (laughs) The county is only 49% white, but the chorus is 100% white, as were the attendees. The rich whites, rhythmless and lacking tone... (laughs) mostly sang black gospel songs. But the main number was Do You Hear the People Sing, which, if you don't know, is from the musical version of Les Miserables and is sung in the show as French rebels prepare to rise up against plutocracy. The retired whites of South Carolina clearly thought this was their anthem about their experience And not that of the people who are going to chop off their heads someday soon if we don't change things. And we won't change things because we're going to nominate Joe Biden and not Elizabeth Warren. The lie we're telling right now is that we don't think she's electable. Despite how well women did in 2018 and polls showing that most Americans want progressive policies. Specifically many of those outlined by Senator Warren. Like Instituting a wealth tax on the top 0.01%, breaking up the big tech motherfuckers, giving student loan forgiveness and universal free college and universal childcare. And this bitch has plans for everything. <laughs> including making corporations pay taxes, (laughs) protecting public lands from oil companies, combating mass agriculture and supporting family farmers, progressive criminal justice reform, ceasing the use of the military as a money-making tool for and defender of corporate interests, decreasing our bloated defense spending and caring for people who've served in our endless wars, and even combating maternal mortality, which disproportionately impacts black mothers. My grandmother doesn't buy that though. I may not believe her, but she has black friends and none and none of them have died in childbirth. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
7: Where did I get my numbers? The CDC? Well, I haven't seen them, so how can I know they're true? Uh-huh. Oh. LOL. <laughs> We're not going to pull votes from Trump supporters. Please shut up about Mayor Pete. (laughs) Mayor Pete sucks. (laughs) Despite a recent surge in polls due largely to Twitter activism and her willingness to acknowledge that the president should be impeached, Warren is still a distant second behind a man who smells girls. (laughs) And she is getting a fraction of the media attention she deserves. What really makes me mad is that Elizabeth Warren doesn't even get the respect of being ignored and belittled because she's a woman. She's ignored and belittled because she poses a threat to corporate interests, which doesn't please the corporate media or the industries that run our country or the members of the McCormick County Civic Chorus. And we're not much better. The vast majority of Americans are comfort sluts addicted to sugar and soap operas like The Real Housewives of New York and the News. Most Americans don't want some boring policy nerd being a downer all the time. They want dogs greeting soldiers. They want this is us. They want posse vibes only. They want to watch a hot, silver, zaddy exploit his dead son on the view. We are going to march to the polls in clothes made by wage slaves overseas, stopping for a single-use plastic-topped cup of coffee made possible by the tiny hands of child laborers, and vote for Joe Biden, who is a Republican. That's what's going to happen. And Trump's going to win a second term anyway, even if he has to get the Saudis to do a terrorism to cinch it. (laughs) Look, I'm not going to tell you why you should vote for Elizabeth Warren in the primary, because you should already know why you should vote for Elizabeth Warren in the primary. You should already be planning to vote for Elizabeth Warren in the primary. And if you disagree with me, you're wrong, bitch. And you're you're not going to change your mind, so why should I try? Can you believe it's 2019? We have concentration camps. Oh my God, I don't have time for city art. I need to learn how to turn piss into potable water and find someone reasonably attracted to fuck me in a mud hut till we die in the revolution. Fuck All of us.
0: Thank you one more time to Julia White. This feels like a good time to mention that we have merch for sale. Man, were you talking about comfort sluts addicted to sugar? I'm like, how dare, how dare you put me in there? <laughs> that cookie thing was real. It happened to me this week. Um, Jesus Christ! All right. Continuing, our third iPad writer is a writer, cartoonist, and cat lady. She makes a zine called Hard to Love, and you and which you can subscribe to through Patreon, please welcome to the stage, Sarah McHenry.
4: So now for some important news. Who here saw the big superhero movie last weekend?
5: Tight, okay. Uh, I didn't see
4: it either, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to talk about it because of this headline I saw that aged me ten years and turned my womb into a rotted husk. (laughs) Avengers Endgame. One theater is offering MCU marathoners shower stations. (laughs) First, let's talk about the Marvel movies. Let's talk about how they aren't very good. I know that disliking popular things isn't a personality, but in my defense, I never said I had a personality. (laughs) It's not even that I dislike them, I just find them so blandly underwhelming that I kind of can't believe people care this much about them. Don't get me wrong. I like plenty of things that are utterly stupid. (laughs) I love action movies when they're made by actual directors and not visual effects supervisors who care more about making things look cool than telling a coherent story. And I sometimes even like CGI spectacles. I loved Jupiter Ascending. I saw Alita Battle Angel in the theater three times. I counted how many of the Marvel movies I've seen, and of the 22 extant films in this content delivery trough, I've seen 13. I think actually it's 14, because my husband tells me we watched Avengers Age of Ultron together, but I have no memory of it. (laughs) He was like, remember, he has those weird lips? I vaguely remember the lips. Apparently that's when I said, you know what, I'm done with these movies, which makes sense. Because that would have been when I realized that these movies go in one eye and out the other for me. I'm like that video of a raccoon trying to wash its cotton candy. When I think about these movies, they just dissolve into sugar water in my tiny hands. They're forgettable to me because they have absolutely zero personality. They always have between one and five credited writers, but they're written by committee, and increasingly so, as Mickey Mouse's white-gloved grip tightens. There are lines that are supposed to be jokes, that are shaped like jokes, but they aren't actually jokes, because it took 12 men to write them. And yes, I said men. Over all the 22 movies, there's been one female co-director and three female co-writers. They're movies about men, by men, and we all know that men are boring. And yes, I know, some of the movies have women in them. Endgame (laughs) even has a gay character. They were so excited to show off their new gay character, which is already such an alarming disregard for the real world we live in. It's like saying, after 21 movies where actors walk around saying vroom vroom, we're pleased to announce that we finally have a car.
5: (laughs) (laughs) They felt that this new... (laughs)
4: They felt that this new gay character was so important that one of the directors, Joe Russo, insisted on playing him. Our queer fans are asking us to do better in terms of representation, and that's why I, a straight man, who is not even an actor, should play this character. (laughs) I got this. (laughs) The gay character doesn't even have a name. On IMDb, he's listed as Grieving Man, because he appears... Because he appears in a group counseling session for people who are grieving loved ones lost in and I'm very sorry to say this word out loud and I'm even sorrier that I know it The snap That's the thing where the big purple Josh Brolin snapped his fingers and half the world died because of, I guess, overpopulation? Folks, this is movie magic Anything can happen For example... A gay man can be inconsolable over losing half of his friends and loved ones to a deadly epidemic caused by an evil movie star.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs)
4: So this movie theater in Revere, Massachusetts. Last week, they had a marathon of every single one of these disappointing bowls of cold oatmeal and unseasoned tofu, all 22 movies in a row. That takes 57 hours, 57 hours. It started Tuesday morning, and it ran through Thursday night. This is a movie marathon so long that you'd have to arrange for someone to come feed your pets and water your plants because you'd be at the movies for two and a half days. 57 hours is long enough for an adult human at average adult human walking pace to walk from Chicago to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and back, stopping to see Avengers Endgame along the way. 57 hours is long enough for someone to drive from Chicago to Las Vegas, Nevada, see Avengers Endgame in a theater, and drive all the way back to Chicago. Assuming a reading speed of 300 words per minute, a person could read noted 1,200-page novel Infinite Jest cover to cover, stopping twice to get a full eight hours of sleep and still have time left over to eat. If you were getting paid $15 an hour to watch these movies, which isn't the national minimum wage but should be... Pause for cheap applause. Happy May Day, everyone. 855 pre-tax dollars at this marathon but in fact anyone who attended this marathon paid 90 United States dollars for the privilege the website actually advertises that they offer meal breaks like that's a perk at no extra cost to you there will be times when the movies aren't playing so you have time to shove something in your face before sitting back down for six more hours That's like when a job listing says one of its perks is competitive salary or holidays off. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I go to a movie marathon every year. It's called the Music Box of Horrors at the Music Box here in Chicago. And it's great. It's 24 hours. I don't think I've ever lasted more than 15 because I'm in my 30s. (laughs) Do you know how grueling it is to sit and watch movies for that long? It actually sucks. (laughs) I love watching movies and movie marathons are hard for me. It's shocking how quickly you lose touch with reality. After two movies, you feel like you've been there for 12 hours. If you aren't familiar with the feeling of being tired and sore from sitting around doing nothing for too long, then congratulations on your young body. And sorry about uh, everything else <laughs> One cool thing about the Music Box of Horrors Is they understand you can't live on popcorn So they say bring all the food you want Go pick up a pizza, bring sandwiches from home Do whatever But not Cinema Deluxe in Revere, Massachusetts They're cops And they're sticking to their no outside food or drink policy And they'll be searching bags So don't get cute <laughs> So what do they expect you to eat during this 57-hour death march? <laughs> the food that's for sale at Chatter's, their in-house restaurant. <laughs> Chatter's serves such delicious fare as Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs, oh, Famous Familia Pizza, Mazza Mia Fried Mozzarella Triangles, oh, no. <laughs> Davio's Philly Cheesesteak Spring Rolls,
1: oh, no. oh, <laughs>
4: and of course, Coke products and bottled water. Every night, and there are two nights because again, this is 57 hours long. Every night from 8 to 11, Monster Energy Drink is giving out free samples and offering phone charging stations. To me, this sounds like a near-future corporate-sponsored internment camp. Disney Maximum Security Entertainment and Correctional Facility is pleased to offer our guests soft drinks. When the warden comes around with his tin bucket and ladle, simply choose from Coca-Cola, Minute Maid Lemonade, or Smart Water during your federally mandated 90-second respite. The point of the headline is that they're offering shower stations which are in the parking lot, by the way. In the research I did for this piece, I I looked up where you can rent portable shower stations, and the the site is like, for disaster relief zones. (laughs) Uh, But I submit that the smells coming out of the humans in that theater won't be alleviated by showering. If you're not physically exerting yourself, you can easily go 57 hours without showering. I've done it it's called clinical depression. <laughs> your external stink can be taken care of with, like, two baby wipes and brushing your teeth. But the odors exiting your body are a different story. I want to be clear that this isn't a knock on fans of this particular movie conglomerate. This is just a true fact about humans. If you trap 150 of them in a room for two days and feed them hot dogs and Diet Coke, the aroma is, aroma is going to turn extremely frat house on a summer day. In conclusion... Here are some other phrases that could describe what that theater smelled like sun baked recycling bin, post apocalypse animal shelter, Gigi Allen's tour van, burning yoga mat, bedridden ape. Thank you.
0: Let me give it up one more time for Sarah McHenry. Oh, it's good. <laughs> my eyes were opened on the Marvel movies, and my wife asked me, like, what was the Civil War about? And I'm like, oh, Iron Man and Captain America fought. And are like, yeah, but what was it about? And I was like, fuck. <laughs> uh,. I believe Skewer co-producer Erica Dreisbach has something that she wants to say. Erica, what do you want to say?
5: What's up, everybody? Thank you. Um, uh, you've been having a great time tonight. You've been having some yuck, 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 laugh, 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 laugh. Yeah. Woo! Wonderful. We had a bucket on your way in. Maybe you dropped a couple of dollars, but maybe you dropped only $5. And maybe you're thinking, I've definitely gotten 10 to $20 worth of laughter. And you're like, ah, oh, how can I show that appreciation? We're going to pass this hat around. Whoa. <laughs> It's a cool, fun thing to do, Uh and you can just show your appreciation a little bit more. Or maybe you forgot to drop some cash in. We're gonna do it,
0: Erica. What do we do with that cash? We keep it for ourselves and spend it on on drugs.
5: Totally negatory, Tom Harrison. (laughs) We pass it to our writers because we pay our fucking writers at this shop. (laughs) That
0: sounds good. Keep an eye out for that. And with that, let's move on to the final op-ed writer of the evening. He is an office cog spinning freely and ineffectually in a big building with many computers. He portrays the human fighter Ruddy Dayton on the actual play RPG podcast Shuffle Quest, which is good and you should listen to it. This is his fifth Skewer appearance. You can find him on Twitter at ShariaUncle. LAUGHTER he has never been horny. Please welcome Joe Anderson.
2: Hello. Can everyone, can everyone hear me? Cool. So I did some research. And I learned some things. Horny people don't have rights. (laughs) This isn't a goof. I read through all 72 pages of the UN's Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and it's not in there. (laughs) Normally I make Tom say I've never been horny because it's very funny. Uh, but But it's also very true. While horny people go on dates and use baseball metaphors to describe (laughs) crotch-touching, I only partake in the divine fifth base, holding hands under a weighted blanket. (laughs) But tonight, horny is very important to the subject at hand. Last month, The Atlantic published a bullshit opinion piece called The Happiness Recession, with lots of graphs (laughs) that showed my generation has never been more unhappy and it's because we don't have enough sex. You might be under the impression that I think this is good because it would suggest people are less horny. I do not. I will tell you why. Making line graphs in Microsoft's sex cell about how juicy ex-children need to fuck is the horniest you can be. It is the final boss of horny. (laughs) The guy who wrote the Atlantic article and therefore has no rights is W. Bradford Wilcox. W. Bradford Wilcox sounds like the name of a guy who works at a dumb think tank, like like the American Enterprise Institute, because that's where he works. (laughs) Every year, the University of Chicago publishes the General Social Survey, or the GSS. The GSS is a very comprehensive piece of research and one of the most influential studies in the social sciences. Something that Wilcox points to immediately is that the share of adults between the ages of 18 to 34 reporting that they were very happy in life fell to 25%. This is the lowest it has ever been since the GSS was first published in 1972. In order to make sense of this, Wilcox looks at four variables from the GSS. Marriage, friends, religious attendance, and sex. With the exception of time spent with friends, all these behaviors are in decline. Then, by modeling counterfactuals, he concludes that the variable that would be most positive on happiness is more sex. (laughs) The real reason uh, young people are unhappy is because no one has any fucking money. Punk music used to be about how Nancy Reagan should eat shit, (laughs) (laughs) and now half the songs are about not being able to go to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) It's rude to even want money, because one time a recruiter told me, this company doesn't like applicants that work for the money. The interview was really interesting because I had never interviewed to be a slave before. (laughs) So, no money equals unhappy seems obvious, but if you say this to a boomer, it's like showing a dog a card trick. (laughs) If you were 25 in the 70s, you could give a guy in a suit a firm handshake, and he'd make you foreman of the racism factory. And here's the thing, the GS legit has 6,108 variables, and so many of them deal with employment and income and general material conditions that they border on comical. (laughs) One of the survey questions literally asks if your mother is an independent contractor. (laughs) Wilcox ignores all of this except for his four cherry-pick variables. Uh, Compared to older generations, millennials are getting married later, and marriage correlates to more sex. Marriage is happening later because we are focusing on our careers and turning our bodies into weapons so we can find and kill God. (laughs) (laughs) The author ignores these trends. Uh, Wilcox also brings up the Me Too movement and gets really weird. (laughs)
1: Let
2: me read you this sweaty paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) What's more, as the Me Too era has taught us, there has been too much unwanted or non-consensual sex out there, which is obviously bad for the more often female, yikes, target of such advances. From this perspective, the so-called sex recession might just amount to a sexual recalibration with a lot of bad sex being eliminated from our social lives. This guy thinks sex crimes don't happen because Kevin Spacey got canceled. (laughs) The peace, The Atlantic, is not an anomaly. If you Google the cursed phrase sex recession... You'll find lots of op-eds discussing this trend as early as 2016. But we don't have to go back years, because also last month, the New York Times recorded an episode of The Argument, their podcast, about this. One of the supposed public intellectuals on this podcast is Rouse Douthit.
1: Yes!
0: Yes! Yes! I'm so happy.
2: Can I get a drink of water real quick? Happy this Ross says. Okay. Uh, Ross Dalton is a creep who should go to jail.
1: <laughs>
2: Ross Dalton is a self described cultural conservative and publicly the weirdest guy who works for the New York Times. Ross is a super sane Catholic. He looks like prep school Shrek. <laughs> And last week tweeted that you should only qualify for student loan forgiveness if you have at least two kids. When Ross moves, he should be legally obligated to go door to door and show people his tweets. In his first book about his experiences at Harvard, Ross wrote about a hookup he had with a girl who he described as Chunky Reese Witherspoon if only that were the worst part. (laughs) The worst part is when she told him that she was on the pill and it upset him so much he could not get hard. (laughs) (laughs) This is somehow a total inversion of horny. He made not getting a boner creepy. The New York Times demands we respect this man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on, this,
2: on this podcast, he talks about how we thought that the premarital sex in the 90s... He's like 38, by the way. Uh, he thought premarital sex was a sign of culture decline, and it was weakening families and marriages. Now that he got what he wanted, is he happy? No. He thinks it doesn't count because... What he actually wanted was a great, great uh, excuse me—a great remoralization of sexual life, and not simply people having less sex. The guy who runs the Celebrity Feet Wiki has more rights than Ross. <laughs> <laughs> also, I wanted to skip the first half of the podcast because it was about the Democratic primary, but Ross spent a lot of time talking about how the backlash against Biden being really handsy is political correctness run amok. <laughs> This is like Exhibit 5000 that political correctness as a term doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Not wanting the vice president to do outer course with your aunt at a county fair has nothing to do with political correctness. (laughs) Ross makes me so thirsty. So here are my takeaways from these creeps. Number one, writing op-eds is a fake job for annoying princelings whose ideas, unfortunately, get treated with authority. When I taught writing at DePaul instead of using a textbook, we had the option to use a subscription to the New York Times and use its opinion pieces as a text for each week. What? I did not do this but it didn't really matter because every rhetoric textbook is filled with texts from these assholes anyway. Every textbook has essays from David Brooks, who writes about morality and character for the New York Times, even though he's 57 and divorced his wife so he could marry his research assistant who was born a year after me. Number two, the correct amount of sex millennials should be having is the current amount of sex millennials are having. The amount of sex people have is not a market inefficiency that needs to be corrected. Anyone who thinks otherwise is a bigger pervert than creeps who sniff bike seats. Uh, Smarter people than me pointed out that the discourse around the sex recession is predictably centered around men lacking women partners. In his Atlantic article, Wilcox uh, specifically bemoans that happiness for young men has fallen the most. After an incel guy murdered a bunch of women in 2018, Douthit, a guy who cries if you say wealth should be slightly redistributed, (laughs) wrote an article that was very open to the idea of the redistribution of sex. Uh These are not serious people. I say this as a casual reminder that you don't need to engage in the marketplace of ideas. (laughs) Uh, with people who talk like this or share this stuff online just tell them to eat shit and move on thank you
0: Joe Anderson everybody The depths of his non-horniness astound me daily. Uh, also, another round of applause for fucking all the writers who have been astoundingly good. I'm also you to Cafe Mustache for being a delightful host for this lovely show. Give them your money. But like... Yeah, yeah, you get it. Um, so, it is time for the final portion of the skewer. That is, of course, the skewer debate. We've had lots of op eds. Unlike the op eds in the New York Times, they were pleasant to hear. But, but we can't end the show without a debate, getting to the real bottom of a of a of a serious issue. So, I would like to. Uh, Have our debaters on the stage right now. Our first debater is an artist, writer, and computer programmer in Chicago. Please welcome Skewer co-producer Erica Treisbach. Our next debater can be seen reading around Chicago at shows like Outspoken, You're Being Ridiculous, Story Jam, and This One, and can be found next to you at your favorite bar, skipping over all of your songs in the jukebox. She has a weakness for reality competition shows and cries an average of four times during every episode of American Ninja Warrior. Please welcome Lindsay Ennett. So you may be wondering, what are they going to debate about? What's the big topic? Well, what happened this month? Well, it was fucking 4.20, wasn't it? The
1: Weed
0: Day! Puff, puff, and all that. I don't know how it works. Um, And also, like, I learned later that, like, fucking Pritzker might be finally making it. Who cares? I don't know. Uh, The the point is that it was 4.20, the hilarious day. (laughs) And it got me to thinking, you know, we got to make this stuff legal. There's no reason for it to be illegal, but with all good things, it's possible to do it wrong. You have to make sure you shoot your shot correctly. So the question becomes what is the most efficient and great way to legalize marijuana, Erica? What will you be arguing for?
5: We legalize it, but you can't
6: talk about it. <laughs> Legalize it, but it's mandatory.
0: <laughs> so the way the way these debates go is we're gonna have five-ish. I'm mean, not timing. I'm not going to like, beep them if they go over, but five ish minutes of opening statements from both of our debaters. I will then come back on stage, ask them questions. The questions will be stupid. They have not heard the questions in advance. And then you will give one ish minute of closing statement, at which point you, the audience, will decide the victor who would like to go first. Um, I'll go first. Lindsay,
6: go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say, as a comfort slut, I felt very attacked by your piece. <laughs> once upon a time when I was a freshman in college I was assigned to cover a concert at a nightclub for my college newspaper the performer was legendary stoner two hit wonder Afro man who (laughs) let me some idiot kid reporter join him in his devastatingly loyal entourage (laughs) for the pre-show blunt circle (laughs) Afro man then proceeded to perform his two hits because I got high and called 45 to a packed crowd and then 80% of the crowd immediately departed as if Thanos <laughs> About the efficiency of that for a second. This man got a crowd of corn-fed frat zombies to pay a decent sum of money to hear him get super high and do two songs and did not have to do anything else. And if that is not the American dream, I don't know what is. man however, is an aberration when it comes to those who make bank legally from cannabis. Most people growing fat off Mary Jane's lush teat are, like, Republican hedge fund managers, guys who work at startups who were mean to me in high school, (laughs) and Jim Brewer. (laughs) Legalization of marijuana, along with the immediate release expungement and reparations for all who have been harmed by cannabis prohibition and mass incarceration, these are essential for a just, equitable, and prosperous society— But why stop there? (laughs) Not only should we legalize weed, but we should make it mandatory. (gasps) I'm going to also just, like, quickly make an aside that I have family in the audience tonight, and I would like to apologize to (laughs) them. Anyway, we should make weed mandatory, a pot proclamation, a doobie decree, a hot boxing of our great nation, like it's your best friend's Subaru in the Walgreens parking lot in 2004, and then when all your friends are ordering fries at the Steak and Shake, you're in the bathroom rubbing industrial liquid soap in your hair to cover up the weed smell and hide it from your parents, Lindsay. But Lindsay, why would you suggest such a thing? Are you a sentient bumper sticker? Are you the sidekick in a late 90s teen comedy? Have you been possessed by the roving spirit of Sean William Scott, or worse, DJ Qualls? <laughs> honestly not sure how people are able to recognize and accept our immediate reality without the help of mind-altering substances. And I say this as one of those monsters that scrolls through Twitter first thing in the morning, letting every horrible news story ooze through my night-sweat pocked, greasy pores. (laughs) Living in the sort of nightmare that makes attending a current events-themed live-lit show with a bunch of people who have their own podcasts feel fun and escapist has made us all, like, super stressed out and angry. And I'm just saying that maybe if everyone had some jazz cigarettes throughout the day, maybe we could spend less time being stressed and angry and more time fixing what needs to be fixing. Like, I tried to watch Our Planet without the support of cannabis and the foreboding images of glaciers sloughing off ice the way the British press sloughs off Prince William's infidelity rumors. I didn't sleep for like three days. I tried doing the same thing with Blue Planet while stoned and amongst friends, and instead of being an anxious nightmare, I just thought, wow, nature is amazing. The forest floor is a miracle of biodiversity. Look at these mushrooms sprouting up on the ground like tiny neon floral dildos. I've got to do something about this. I'm going to save those tiny neon floral dildos and contact my legislators about state level green energy policy. And then we got to the part in Blue Planet where uh, one of the the one warring tribe of chimpanzees started eating the other chimpanzees, and I'm getting really upset about it again. Just talking to you, <laughs> I truly believe mandated cannabis use will not only mellow us out, brah, but will create a kinder and more generous humanity. Let's take a very obvious Northside Chicago example. Your friend has asked you to attend his improv show in the stuffiest Second City black box at 11 p.m. on a Wednesday. Now, now, if you knew you were definitely going to be like Polly Shore grade high, wouldn't that make you a more willing and generous audience participant? (laughs) Would you not laugh harder and heartier for your friend who is just trying his best as a member of strip club breakfast buffet or whatever the recent graduate dipshits he spends a thousand dollars a year to play zip zap zop with are calling themselves these days? Zip, zap, 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 Woo! In fact, the only red flag I truly believe there is about this proposal. Is that it will, may inadvertently encourage more people to take up improv. <laughs> I also believe that mandated cannabis will make us funnier and not to have to resort to the constant low hanging fruit of making fun of people who do improv. At this point, it's basically punching down. <laughs> But, Lindsay, wouldn't a weed requirement put an unnecessary regressive financial burden on consumers? Is it fair to require people to pay Silicon Valley dispensary prices for their government-mandated (laughs) ganj? of course it isn't which is why the mandated weed program would be heavily subsidized by the government and we will pay for it the way we ought to pay for everything else by taxing the shit out of old white republicans who spent decades advocating for policies that put black and brown people behind bars but decided that now is a good time to enhance their personal wealth in the weed game i would like to Goons to John Boehner's home to seize all of his assets. Woo! Followed by the rest of all y'all shitty libertarian man buns. But have you given an iota of thought into how implementation or enforcement of a weed mandate would work? Have you determined which safeguards will be made to incur intoxicated driving or making medical exceptions? And to that I say, no. <laughs> but I have thought about the economic impact, the potential boom of ancillary markets like convenience store snack treats and CBD oil for dogs. the impact on our justice system and on good old American morale and the redemption of the improv community and that truly if we are to wish to be on the right side of history then you know these things will work themselves out man (laughs) I mean shit I would say make all drugs mandatory but have you met people who are super into hallucinogens (laughs) If you think people who substitute smoking weed for a personality are insufferable, wait till you meet a 20-year-old barista who microdoses and is getting real into Alan Watts. Thank you.
5: That last bit about microdosing and Alan Watts was real. That was real. Very real. Skewer audience. Aha! I have survived long enough to reproduce and come back to you. I am a hot mom in your area, and I'm here to fuck with this debate. Fact People who do weed talk about weed too much, and they are annoying, even to other weedlers. Fact. In the inevitable legal American marijuana era, we are in great danger of conversations oversaturated and irritating weed reference, and who has the time? Conclusion, go ahead and breathe your legal green, man. Just don't talk about it. Don't mention your guns, your rippity-dip-dip, dip, your bomba-la-cha-cha, dare not speak their names. <laughs> However... An important exception I will make is nicknames for weed that are also famous lesbians will be allowed (laughs) such as Alice B. Toklas Gertrude Steinerb and Jared Kushner The lesbian clause thus will offer job protection for Snoop Dogg and his friend, Martha Stewart. My opponent would have you believe that we should make pot mandatory. What does that mean? Mandatory? For children? Really? Really? Like you'd have to smoke it, you'd have to eat it, put it up your butt? Is that what your friends are telling you to do now? No hate, no shade, no fear, no stress, but... I don't want to do mandatory pot. I don't make marijuaners do my drugs. That would be so uncool. And isn't cool the fundamental spirit of smoking weed? I am not cool. (laughs) My glass ceiling of cool now and for the rest of my life is cool mom. (laughs) You will measure me against the other jamams at Murphy Preschool at 4.45 p.m. and against none cooler. I am so hot for a mom. If you saw me pushing a stroller and I was head down looking at a smartphone, you'd think I was the nanny. (laughs) Anyway, what's the point of legalizing it only to turn it into a weapon of fascist body slavery? There is no point, asked and answered indulging my opponent's insane premise for a spell. If weed were mandatory, wouldn't that mean everyone is stoned all the time? Not just the people who can handle it, but former drunks like myself who did one bong hit on 420 in 2001 and thought I was going to die and the last thing I remember before passing out was a dozen of my hallmates from the dorm standing around my bed as if at a wake which did not ease my clouded mind. (laughs) My opponent would have you believe that mandatory weed world would be relaxed and adorable, like if a puppy were mayor. But it would be bad, like if Lori Lightfoot were mayor. Hashtag, not all lesbians are good. But she'll be fine. She'll definitely probably be an improvement, probably. In mandatory weed world... How are you going to satisfy your munchies, your nuggety nibblies? You're going to go to the store? No one's working. They're getting high on the loading dock.
1: You're
5: going to plant Cheetos and hope for a tree of flaming hots? You're demented. Imagine if you were on a plane and the intercom came on. This is uh, (laughs) your captain speaking. And I am stoned. Wouldn't it at least be better if he were stoned, but he didn't talk about it? Wouldn't you feel better? And what's better than feeling better? Feeling cool. What if we were living in a weed speakeasy, but the G men could never throw you in the hooskau? A world of subtle nods and meaningful gestures. Hey, you wanna? Yeah. I wanna. And if we can't speak of marijuana, then obviously we can't keep people in prison for it. Hold for applause. (laughs) The public defender would be like, why is my client currently incarcerated? And the state's attorney would be like, because of the... (sighs) And the judge would be like, bang, bang, motion for immediate release sustained. (laughs) In Don't Talk About Weed World, we're all members of Fight Club sharing a big fun secret and secrets are cool. <laughs> Not just cool like a mom, cool like a motherfucker.
0: Ooh, ooh, spirited opening statements all around. I love it. Who's, it's anyone's game, really. But now it's time for me to ask you some fucking stupid-ass questions and you try to come up with a joke fast enough. Um, <laughs> Erica, I have a first questions for you. Now, I personally would never admit to breaking the law on stage, but I imagine that if I had ever tried the weed plant, it would immediately destroy my lungs and make my head feel like a huge nightmare and it's just like the worst shit in the world. If no one's allowed to talk about weed... Who's gonna who's gonna like guide me through these obstacles to figure out how to enjoy it? Who's gonna weed babysit you?
5: <laughs> yeah. You need a weed sitter for the weed. But but nonverbal. Right. Well the, okay, so there's the lesbian code words, number one. That's the number one thing. And number two, you all you, really, you don't need to you just need to tell the person this won't be forever. I promise you. <laughs> It won't be forever. Is this forever? No, it's fine. You're gonna go to sleep. You don't you don't need you don't need to talk about weed. You'd be like, I know what this is. I know what this is, and then very soothing mommy
0: stuff. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Lindsay, my next question is for you.
6: Yes, Tom? Let's say I'm
0: just not feeling it this week. I have my mandatory weed and I'm just like, eh. And I, like, flush it down the toilet. Am I good? Is someone gonna come get me?
6: You're good.
0: <laughs>
6: like I said, I haven't really thought much about the uh, the details of implementation. That's not my job. I'm not... I'm, I'm no wonk like Elizabeth Warren. Uh... I, I'm, I'm just here, you know, and it's, It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You're, you're good. You're good. I like it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> in your defense, you were assigned this position. Uh, <laughs> Erica. My next question for you. What happens when we are in this utopia? Where no one's talking about weed. We don't have to deal with weed culture anymore. It's not annoying. But then someone finds some other drug and an insufferable insufferable culture springs up around that. What then? What if it's like a bad one? Like, Like, what if it's like you can't legalize this because it's like too scary?
5: (laughs) Oh, so it wouldn't be like have you ever watched Marvel movies? while drunk it it wouldn't be like that it would it would be more like have you ever been to the mind states conference where you put yeah yeah, this is back to the microdosing in joke sorry (laughs) i lived in california for a while guys uh so what do you do if a different drug becomes annoying i mean you just do what we do now with the weed people you just kind of ignore it and it, it, and it's fine. It eventually gets legalized, and then that thing becomes prohibited from being talked about. And it's just... The cycle continues. I think we're part of an, uh, an inevitable cycle. The wheel turns. It's fine.
0: Convincing. <laughs> Lindsay. Yes, Tom? I don't mean <laughs> to make you argue your opponent's point, but if weed is mandatory... It follows that everyone's going to be talking about it and that's just not acceptable. <laughs> so how do you how will you make sure that in your proposed world weed culture is appropriately toned down?
6: Well, Tom, I think part of you know the <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think my my opponent here was actually on to a good point. I mean, when was the last time you heard someone go like real deep about going to multiple fish concerts in one <laughs> summer? <laughs> it's been a minute, right? Yeah. So, you've I'm just saying, you've already found a way to navigate that. It's a big world out there. Like, the most beautiful thing... Like, think about social media. Like, the most beautiful thing is you can... You can... You can curate your own echo chambers. And... Like, we're all here. We're all... This is kind of that.
0: Oh, this is so that.
6: (laughs) It, we find a way Tom you're, you're good cool
0: I'm good <laughs> alright excellent answers from both of you but I have one question that is going to be the final question that is going to be posed to both of you whomsoever wishes to answer first approach the microphone and do it the question is how do people know where to get weed like how do they oh know who told them yeah.
5: <laughs> that's a great question sometime one time somebody called me looking for weed and I said oh no <laughs> No one really knows this shit. Um, I don't know. You have to find your friend who actually does weed, and then you call them. And then eventually, you, you, you're friends with Gary, and Gary is somehow hooked into Weed Prime. And he says, I call my dealer, and it's like, whoa, dealer? And he's like, yeah, and I ask, I say, but we use code words, and I say, I want a one or a two, and then that stands for a certain amount. And I was like, whoa, like a kilo? He was like, what? <laughs> so the answer to your question is you have to make lots of friends in San Francisco, and eventually you,
6: you run into Gary now are you saying right now or like in the hypothetical world where uh, pot is universally illegal and also mandatory it's, 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 it's improv yes and it whatever you want okay because I was going to say right now I also have a Gary but my Gary's name is Alexis um <laughs> But uh, in in this this hypothetical brave new world, uh, it's going to be a combination of like bike couriers. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, package deals you know it's got to be a little bit of the public private partnership to help subsidize the uh, government funded ganj uh, so <laughs> partnerships with Grubhub and then like something similar to the healthcare.gov website because that worked real well so we're going to just do that
5: I want to myself you can also be friends with Dan who has a prescription for anxiety <laughs> that's another way
0: Topical jokes from
1: 2008.
0: Yeah, we're cool. We're rad people. We're on top of it, man. I just like the the, the funny day. Uh, t- to me, that's what it's all about. Anyway, excellent question and answer. Now it is time for the closing statements. Erica, you went second in the opening, so you shall go first. Now go.
5: Thank you. Mandatory weed. That's deranged unless i've fundamentally misunderstood the premise which is likely the other week i could not come up with the word for sweater (laughs) elizabeth warren a fellow hot mom supports legalizing marijuana and emancipation of all those locked up on weed charges dope pun intended but she agrees the people who do weed that just talk about weed too dang much And it's gonna be a problem. There's a simple solution. We make it legal, not mandatory. We take a deep inhale, and we keep our mouths shut.
6: (laughs) See, I respect my opponent's uh, perspective here. I think it has been a valuable contribution to the discourse this evening. But, and I agree with you, I think legalization will kind of take care of itself, and that, you know, if it's not legal, people are like, people are gonna just talk about it less, but people are still gonna have to talk about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As you can see, I did not spend $1,000 to play Zip Zap (laughs) Zap. So, improvisation is not my forte. And I wanted to hedge that at the beginning of my opening statement by making fun of improv, and I'm deeply sorry. (laughs) But we live in difficult and trying times, and we are living in a time where transformative, radical change is necessary. And if that radical change comes in the form of a weird mandate, then so be it. Thank you.
0: Thank you. All right. This is excellent. To me, this debate was good. Who agrees? <laughs> But a debate cannot be waged for nothing. No, there's a prize. It's this lovely skewer that's mostly trash, but then has a bead at the end. <laughs> and it is up to you, the crowd, to determine who is the victor. Now, you may think, do I vote for who I laughed more at or who made a better argument? Listen, who gives a shit? <laughs> Whichever. Uh, <laughs> the only rule is that you applaud very loud for the person you think won but you also still applaud the person you think did not win so that you do not see people going like this in the audience which is sad. It's happened to me and I hated it Um, You sir, would you like to be an impartial judge and judge the volume of the crowd noise? Thank you right. If you think the victor of this debate arguing for making weed legal but illegal to speak about it If you think Eric won, please applaud now. If you think the winner of this debate arguing for making weed legal and then also making it mandatory, if you think Lindsay Ennett won, please applaud now. I do not envy you your position. Who won? <laughs> Who was the winner? It's real close. I think Lindsay takes it. <laughs> Lindsay, congratulations! <laughs> Thank you you have, any, have any last words? <laughs> I don't know. You seem like you want something to say. If you don't, that's cool. You just reserve it. Cool. Congratulations, Lindsay. <laughs> Alright, yo, friends The Skewer Owns, that was the show Thank you so much for being here Our next show Holy shit, I've forgotten the day Erica wrote me a little post-it note with the day Fifth fifth. Our next show is Wednesday, June 5th Right here at Cafe Mustache Hosted by Erica Dreisbach Who will be excellent as ever We are Yeah, also, round of applause for uh, coming back to the show after uh, doing an incredible achievement of having a child. (laughs) 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 Folks, I've seen the child. The child owns. This is also a podcast we've been recording, so if you want to listen to all their episodes or don't want to go in the future but still listen, you can listen online. Uh, As we've said, uh, you put the fucking donation money and you'll pay the writers. That's everything. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Skewer. If you liked what you heard, you can always come to a live show every first Wednesday of the month at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. You can also subscribe to this podcast. Give it a review wherever you might review a podcast at. I don't really know which one is the best. They say iTunes, but I don't know. If you'd like to know more or inquire about being on the show, please email us at skewerchicago at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next month. Goodbye.